0: Stasis. The state of being a hoe. A... <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Okay, welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together, despite our South African accent there, and uh... <laughs> get spiritual here. Let's re- recite the Apostles' Creed. This is a statement of what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven I uh, want to remind you of our upcoming uh, campus-wide celebration at uh, the Widener Center here in Green Bay. All our campuses join together for one big celebration. Our guys over at Stevens Point will be coming over. The guys in Appleton will be coming over. The West Side, East Side, all meet there. If you come to church on, was that, November 2nd, uh, there will be nobody here. <laughs> we'll all be there. What time is that service, Bob? 1030. Okay, so... One big service, and it's a bye week So it'll be okay. And, uh, and the 27th of October, uh, we're going to be having a day of prayer and fasting. Uh, just praying for uh, the upcoming service and just that God will bless this church and, and uh, visit us in a special way. Uh, so let me encourage you to do that. Join with us, okay, for a day of prayer and fasting. What that means is, fasting means you don't eat. So... <laughs> amazingly, despite the word, it's a really slow day. It doesn't go as fast as you would think it would. <laughs> but every time you get hungry, just offering up prayers and saying, God, move in our church and do wonderful things. And then we're gathering together for a, at a 6.30 service. The other campuses will be simulcast with us. And uh, it's a short service. So we'll be uh, like singing stuff for maybe... Uh, you know, till 7, and then at 7, just a time of prayer, and then we'll release everybody. So the whole service might be only 45 minutes long, but then uh, that'll be the end of it, and then you can go home and eat or whatever, or someone can take the pastor out or something, <laughs> something nice, all right. Um, want to uh, thank you for your continued prayers for uh, Debbie. As uh, you know, she's been struggling with uh, cancer, and it's been very, very, very rough on her. And I wish I could tell you otherwise, but it, it just hasn't. Over the last month and a half, two months, we've done a constant cycle of in and out of the hospital. And, uh, and I haven't been able to be as available, obviously. And I appreciate your prayers for us and your patience as we work through this. And uh, we're trusting God. They're struggling now trying to get her meds right so that she's not so sick. And, uh, and uh, we're hoping they're getting close on that. Um, We're picking up uh, 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, picking up from the last message that I gave, which is, I don't know, almost a month ago now, Uh, but we're picking up nonetheless. Now, this is uh, the account of Elijah, Uh, to give you a recap of the last message that I spoke about. Elijah was this incredible uh, prophet during the time of King Ahab. There was Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who was this nasty, mean lady, Uh, Jezebel, And uh, Anyway, so uh, they were so nasty and they kept trying to pull the people away into idolatry and into the worship of of these idols which were called Baals, B-A-A-L. It was a version of like um, satanic worship. It was very nasty. Did all kinds of disgusting things and and very much an insult to God, especially the children of Israel doing that after all that God had done for them. So uh, Elijah spoke and said that God was not gonna send any rain. So, you know, a couple of months go by, a few months go by, a year goes by. This goes on for three and a half years. Now, you can imagine how devastating that is. Just in our area, if we go too many weeks without rain, we're in trouble. Can you imagine three and a half years, zero rain. It was, the ground was hard, and all the negative results that come as a result of that kind of a drought, and, uh, and Ahab knew that Elijah had spoken That there'd be no rain So he's a man He's trying to find Ahab And, uh, and, uh, and kill him But uh, eventually Ahab shows up And he says He gathers everybody on top of Mount Carmel All the people King Ahab's there uh, Jezebel's not there Who knows She's out shopping or something At the mall But anyway um, They get everybody together And the prophets of Baal are there 450 prophets And Elijah has this big showdown he said, listen, how long are you guys going to just, guess whether or not you're going to serve God or get into this idolatry with Baal? So he has this big showdown. He says, we're going to build two altars, and we're going to put our uh, sacrifices on the altar, but you can't light any fire on it. We're going to pray, and the God that answers by fire will be the true God. And everybody said, fine. And even the prophets of Baal said, no problem. Why? Because they truly expected something to happen. You have to understand, people who are into dark arts and that kind of stuff, stuff actually happens for these people. It's not from God. Make no mistake. This is from Satan. This is very demonic and stuff like that. But they see all kinds of stuff and experience their version of the miraculous as well. Uh, So these guys truly expected uh, their idol to answer because they had seen stuff like this all the time. The problem for them was is... Elijah the prophet, standing there, and the presence of the Lord is there. And when God shows up, demons flee. And so these guys are praying all day long, and there's no answer. And they're praying to Baal. Oh, Baal, suck it to me, Baal. Come on, Baal. They're dancing around the altar. Nothing's happening. And then Elijah starts making fun of them. You know, says, hey, man, call out, or maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's in the john. You know, come on. And these guys just keep going more and more and more and trying to get something to happen. Finally, toward the end of the day, they give up. They're exhausted. Nothing happens. Then Elijah says, "All right, it's my turn." So he takes this altar, and he's got this sacrifice on it. And then he tells the guys to dig a big ditch around it, and says, "Get great big barrels of water and pour it all over the altar." Now remember, you're pushing for fire here. Dumping it with rain or, or with water is not conducive to fire. But he didn't care. He says, "Do it again," and they splash it again. Let's "Do it again," and he splashes it. So the place is soaked, and the trench is filled with water. And it's a great analogy, because what it tells us is that God doesn't need circumstances to be in any favorable way for him to show up. All right, sometimes we think, well, gee, God could answer my prayer if it wasn't so bad, or if it hadn't gone so far, or if it wasn't this complicated. God could help my relationship if it hadn't been this. No, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big of a mess you're in, how bad it's been the way it's been, how long it's been as bad as it's been. It makes no difference to God. Because to him, nothing is impossible. So they totally saturate this, saturate this thing. And then Elijah calls. God, answer by fire. And boom, fire falls down. Just burns everything. Well, the people went, whoa, we're going to serve the Lord. The Lord is God. The prophets of Baal freak. Elijah says, grab them. And he takes them and he kills them all because they're, you know, for whatever reason. And so, uh, so there's this major thing that happens. Now we're going to pick it up at verse 41. Now, Elijah says to Ahab, you need to go eat and drink because there is the sound of heavy rain. Now, was there actually the sound of heavy rain? No, there was not. There was no rain, nothing in the sky, no clouds, everything's barren. But he's speaking prophetically. What he's telling Ahab is it's going to start raining now. This is the guy who said it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. Now he says it's going to rain. So everybody's really paying attention, especially after him calling fire out of heaven. So everybody's listening to him. So Ahab goes off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbs to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Not because he was dizzy, but, but he's praying. And uh, he says to a servant, go look toward the sea to see if rain's coming yet. And the servant went and looked, and he said, there's nothing there. So Elijah prays some more. He says, go look again. And he goes to look again. He goes back, there's nothing there. Prays some more. Go look again. I mean, this goes on again, and again, and again, and I think a lot of us have given up after three four times, right? He wouldn't quit. Got to the seventh time. And then uh, uh, the seventh time, the servant reported, well, there's this cloud about the size of a man's hand, you know, off into the sea there. And and then Elijah said, oh, here it comes, because he knew now God was going to send the rain. He said, you better go tell Ahab to hitch up his chariot and get out of here before the rain stops. Now, you have to understand, the earth is absolutely parched and hard. Uh, It's like in the desert when rains come heavily. What do you get? Flash flooding. So they're about to get some serious flash flooding when this water hits because everything is so hard and dried. So he tells Ahab, you better hitch up and get out of here before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, uh, heavy rain started falling, and Ahab... Rode off to Jezreel. He's in his chariot. He's got the best of the best, fastest horses, state-of-the-art surround sound in his chariot, you know, and he's, you know, it's all made by, you know, some fancy car manufacturer. And he's riding off. Yee-haw, let's get out of here. And I love this next verse. It says, "The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel." Now you got to picture this. Ahab's riding his chariot, and he looks in the rearview mirror, what is that? (laughs) Here comes Elijah, (laughs) and just passes him and beats him all the way back. I mean, this is one of the coolest days of Elijah's life, and one of the most dramatic days. Uh, in the Bible, when you read of miracles, first of all, he calls out fire from heaven. He destroys all these bad prophets. He finally speaks after no rain. Rain immediately is coming, and he's trying out his new Nike. He's going as fast as he can, and he bypasses Ahab, you know, back in his chariot. So now the very next verse. Now Ahab gets back, okay, and then he tells Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he would killed all the prophets with the sword. So then Jezebel, she's really horked, and she... Is that a word, horked? (laughs) It is now. And sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. In other words, you kill them, I'm going to kill you. And then the very next verse, which to me is absolutely stunning, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Seriously? Here's a man who just stood up in front of the entire nation. He's absolutely dominated everything for three and a half years. He faces off the prophets of Baal, has them all destroyed, has all these miracles going on, and now he's freaking out because a chick is after him. That's a whole nother sermon, all right? So, she's mad, and he's freaking, and he goes running for his life. Now, the first thing to notice from this account is you would think That after that kind of glorious victory in your life, you have got it made, right? But no, right away, after all of that, now he's running for his life. What does that tell us? It tells us that even though you might have some great victory in your life, and you've been greatly blessed, and you've had wonderful things happen in your life, no matter how long you've been a Christian and been trusting God, there'll always be times of testing. and There'll always be times of trial. It never stops. We wish it would stop. I wish it would stop, (laughs) you know, but it doesn't stop. The thing is we have to continually trust God even though the battles keep coming. There's not a point where all of a sudden, okay, now I have it made and we're on easy street now. No, there will be always times of testing, always times of something where the enemy will come against you and test your faith and you have to just stand firm. Don't get discouraged because you're going through another test when you think, gee, I shouldn't be going through another test. Uh, it never ends. The good news is we always win, all right? Uh, even in death, we win. Now, there's no way we lose in this deal. We know that when Jesus Christ raised from the grave and took the keys of hell and death, man, I mean, it was over. At that point, the battle is over. Jesus has won the war. But in the meanwhile, we still have to live through this life. It's kind of like if you know the outcome of a game, but they still got to play the game. You know what I'm saying? It's like when I travel, a lot times, I miss the game so, but and then I always check to see whether or not we won or lost. If we lost, I don't want to watch the game. <laughs> if we win, then I go watch the whole game. And, and it's great because it's very, not very stressful because you know no matter what happens, you're going to win, right? It's that kind of thing. You're watching the game, and something's going wrong, and we just got intercepted, and the defense wasn't paying attention, and normally you'd be going, ah, I don't do that. I go. No problem, we're going to win. I know we're going to win, right? Because I know we won. It's that way for the Christian faith. Even though we still got to play the plays and get the battles, and sometimes we get our heads knocked off, and we, we just relax. We already know. We've seen the end. We've read the end of the book. We win. Hallelujah. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, we are more than conquerors. We are victorious. The good news is we win. The bad news is the game ain't over yet. Which means we still got to fight. And we still got to struggle. And sometimes things go wrong. And sometimes we get intercepted. And sometimes we get sacked and blindsided and all these things. Because the game isn't over yet, even though we know. We know we win. Then look at Elijah. He says he was afraid for his life. He runs. And he comes to Beersheba and Judah. He leaves a servant there, and he himself went another day's journey into the wilderness. He wanted to get all by himself. He comes to a broom bush, sits down under it, and prays that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Now, you have to understand the stark contrast here. This man has just experienced some of the most incredible miracles you'll see in the Bible. And just a couple of days later, he's so depressed, he's so discouraged, he prays that he dies. Wow. What does that tell us? It tells us that even the greatest of God's people can become weary, depressed, and wish they could quit. And you know, sometimes when you're really going through hard times and you say, well, Pastor, I don't know why this is happening. I've been reading the Bible. We've been doing the right things. We've been trusting God. We've been giving financially, serving. Why do these bad things keep happening to us? You know, sometimes you've got to really be careful because sometimes you can spend more time in the why that it'll actually suck the life out of you. Why do these bad things happen? I have no idea. Why are bad things happening? Because you're not dead yet. That's all I know. When we're dead, bad things stop happening. The good news is you're still alive. Bad news is bad things will happen to you. It, just, it is what it is. Don't get caught in the why stuff. And, you know, sometimes we do get discouraged. But here's a great man of God, one of the greatest men of God uh, that have ever lived, Elijah. And he is absolutely discouraged to the point he wishes God would just kill him. What does that tell us? It means sometimes it's okay to be depressed. Sometimes it's okay to be discouraged. I say that because sometimes people get discouraged because they're discouraged. And sometimes people get depressed because they're depressed. And they feel down because they feel down. And what happens, you get into that cycle and it'll suck the life out of you. And you'll start spinning the drain, heading down the sink. Look, there's times when things go terribly wrong. I don't know why. They just do. Jesus never said we wouldn't have problems. If anything, he said the opposite. He said, in this world, you will have all kinds of trouble. But he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We can trust him in the midst of all of our troubles. But even those days where you just feel like Things are terrible, and you just feel down. Don't feel down on yourself because you feel down. I know it sounds really odd, but it's true. There have been days over the last few weeks where I have felt just horrible. I couldn't even pray. I couldn't. But you know what? I don't let it frustrate me. That's when I start to feel the prayers of hundreds of people praying for us. You know, it's a good thing. It's one of the powerful things about being part of a church, about a Christian community, is other people can be there to pray for you and encourage you. And when you feel like you can't carry your own burden, it's okay. Let other people carry your burden for a while. That's all right. Now, I've got to tell you, I would much rather carry your burden than you carry mine. I don't like burdens. (laughs) But even, even pastors, everybody, even prophets, doesn't matter who you are, there's times where you just can't do anything. You take every bit of energy you got just to hang on. And you feel bad just because you feel bad. Don't, don't do that. It's normal to feel bad, even at times totally discouraged, depressed, and even wanting to quit. But just, just relax. Let other people pray for you. Let people know where you're at, which means you've got to communicate with people. If you're off in your own little world and nobody knows your struggles, nobody can help. And what's really odd, for some reason, when you're really doing bad, you don't want other people to know you're doing bad. It's absolutely classic. You know, when people get really sick, one of the first things I notice is they don't want anybody else to know they're sick. I get it. Nobody wants to know your personal deals. I get it. I understand it. But listen, in a church community, when you start going through tough times, you want other people to know you're going through tough times. And you want them to pray for you. You want them to be for you. Why? Why? Because there will become a time where you can't carry your own burden. Where you won't feel any strength. You won't even be able to pray. It'll be okay because somebody else will be there praying for you. Anyway, he's all depressed. He wants to die. He's out of here. My life stinks. There's a woman trying to kill me. I can't take it anymore. And then the Lord says, listen, you need to go stand by the mountain. I'm about to show up. The Lord's about to pass by. So he tells him, I'm about to show up. How he he hears this, and he's not there, I don't know. But anyway, he hears, I'm about to get ready. God's coming. So he's standing there, or sitting, I don't know what he's doing. And it says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. You can imagine what a wind that must have been, smashing and crashing and everything. And Elijah just sits there and goes, eh, it's nothing. Because he knew that the Lord was not end in the wind. After the wind, the Bible says there was an earthquake. Everything's shaking and rocking. Oh, surely God has showed up. Elijah's sister goes, eh, it's just an earthquake. It's nothing. After the earthquake, earthquake, came a fire, and I'm sure it was intense, and everything's getting fried all around him. Elijah goes, Yeah, just a fire. You got the earth, wind and fire. Sounds like a rock band. And then it says, after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulls his cloak over his face and he goes out of the cave and he goes to talk with God because now he knows God has shown up. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes when we pray, we want dramatic things to happen. But sometimes it doesn't need dramatic things to happen. You just need God to show up. As oftentimes, he just shows up in a still, small voice that you have to listen for. And I've said this many times. You have to be careful when you pray for something that you don't get so focused on the thing that you forget about God. Or we're saying is, God, help me. I need this. I need this. I need this. And your attention is not on God at all. It's on this. And all we want is this so bad, and I need this, oh, God, I need this, I just... You know, when you're like that, God didn't give give you jack. He won't. Why not? Because you're making something else more important than him. It's like we say, can I I come over to your house? I can't stand you, but I really like your house. You have a really nice pool. Can I come over? Hopefully you're not there, you know? You wouldn't like that. It would be insulting to you. And God's the same way. He can tell when you're not interested in him anymore you coming to God. God, oh, you're looking at me. All of a sudden, he sees you're not looking at me. You're looking over here. You're checking out something else. Don't do that. Even when we're at our lowest and weakest moments, when we feel we just want to quit, the best solution for us is to just wait for God to show up. Even when the earthquake is shaking, when the rocks are slamming, when the fire is falling, just Wait. Just wait. Isaiah 40, verse 31. One of the most famous verses in the Bible. You should all have this memorized. a great verse. It says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes you just have to wait on the Lord. Say, Pastor, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? This is what it means. Wait. That's what it means. There's nothing. Now, that's hard for us because we're Americans, and we live in an instant world, and we're used to instant results, and we want things quick, 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 quick. We pull up to McDonald's. We're irritated because we've been at the window for 30 seconds. Where's my fries? Do you remember some of you people, some of you really old geezers like me? Do you remember the day if you wanted hot water, you actually had to cook it on a stove? back when the dinosaurs still roamed the earth, you remember that, you know? As you had to light something and wait for it to boil, and now we have microwaves. Pop your cup in there and hit 45 seconds, and you feel like that's taking forever. Come on! Well, that's good and fine, I like stuff fast, I don't like waiting for stuff. I don't want to boil water, I want to push a button. <laughs> but God doesn't care if we're Americans. <laughs> the rules don't change for us. Sometimes you gotta wait. You say, how long? I don't know. Pastor, I've been waiting, pray for three days. Really? I've been asking God now how long? Two weeks. Really? Sometimes it just takes a long time for God to show up. I don't know why. Someday, we'll find out why. I think the first thing that's going to come out of everybody's mouth when they get to heaven is, oh, then it'll all make sense. In the meanwhile, I don't know why. It doesn't matter why. Again, why are we so caught up with the whys? Whenever you struggle with people that are struggling, their biggest question is, why, why, why? Who cares why? It's irrelevant. It just is. Trust God. Wait. Wait. It takes time. See, say, Pastor, but I feel like I want to quit. I get it. I know that feeling. But that's when you have to decide, am I going to live by how I feel? Or am I going to live by what I believe? If you live by how you feel, your life will be a disaster. But if you will live by what you believe, because we believe in the Son of God. Eternal. Eternal God. If you live by what you believe, you'll find your life will be blessed and you will succeed greatly in life. I would love to tell you that you won't ever have to struggle or suffer in life, but it's not true. And the Bible never says it's not true. Weeping may endure for a night. You know what that means? It means you're weeping all night long. (laughs) But it says joy comes in the morning. There's a point where the sun rises Everything turns, and great joy will return to us. We also have, always have to remember, we win no matter what the circumstance. Even in death itself, we win. We can trust him, but we have to be patient and wait. So the first lesson from today is even after great victories in our life, the war is not over. Even though we know we win the game, you still got to play the game. Number two, even the greatest people in the history of the kingdom of God at times become weary, depressed, and wish they could quit. That's normal. Don't get depressed because you're depressed. And number three, even when we're at our lowest and weakest moments, when we feel we just want to give up and we need for God to show up, the best thing to do is just to wait. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord, we've all been going through difficult times, and certainly uh, Deb and I, we've been going through a hard time. I pray special prayers for Deb this morning, that you would encourage her and heal her and give the doctors wisdom and help them get her medications and stuff right. And we ask you for a miracle in her body, Lord, that you would touch her and turn this thing back. Give her life. Life and not death, we pray. And we speak life to her in the name of Jesus. But Lord, we're not the only ones going through stuff. All kinds of people here listening to me right now. Here in Green Bay, over in Stevens Point, Appleton, various people going through different struggles in their life. At times, it gets very discouraging. Help them, Lord, in the midst of their struggles. When they feel they can't lift their own weight anymore just to turn to others and trust that others can carry their weight for them and to pray for them and to encourage them. And help us, Lord, to be patient, to wait. Because those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will rise up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They will walk and not faint. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.